0: I'm David Kasher, a rabbi at IKAR in Los Angeles, and together we're gonna study the weekly Torah portion of the Parsha and figure out why the Torah really is the best book ever. The Jewish calendar is a masterpiece. I'm quoting my friend, Nissan Linish, which I often do when I think about the Jewish calendar. Nissan was a friend of mine from the Bay Area, a friend who died much too soon. He he went by Nico Linish most of the time, but I always knew him as Nissan because we'd met in the Jewish community. We went to the same Minyan in San Francisco, but we both lived in Oakland at the time. And so he would sometimes host these funky Shabbat dinners in the East Bay. And they went all night and felt more like a like a party or a happening or no chairs or tables, just people wandering around the house from conversation to conversation, just meeting each other. It was a, it was a very cool scene. Nissan really knew how to do Shabbat. And Nissan and I also got together sometimes with a group of friends to study Torah. And I remember at one of those gatherings, he had just gotten back from Israel and I was asking him how his trip was and he said, oh, it's amazing. What I really want to do now is I want to go back and spend an entire calendar year there. And I was like, oh, that's cool. But why an entire calendar year? And he said, as if it was kind of obvious, oh, so I can celebrate all the Jewish holidays in Israel to really experience them in a deep way. And again, I was like, oh, that's cool. And I think he sensed I wasn't really getting it. And he looked at me. And paused, and I'll never forget, in a very serious, heartfelt tone, he said, David, the Jewish calendar is a masterpiece. And he's right. It is a masterpiece. The journey through the calendar year, with its weekly and monthly rhythms and its cycle of yearly festivals, each with its own unique energy, is one of the hallmark institutions in Jewish life. For many of us, the holidays are the times we really tune into Judaism, and so in a way, it's the calendar more than any other document that essentially defines Judaism for us. And the origins of the calendar are right here in this week's Parshat Parshat Bo. In the middle of all the Exodus drama, right before the unleashing of the 10th plague, God stops all the action to declare to Moses and Aaron, ha-chodesh lechem rosh chadashim. This month will be for you the beginning of months. It will be the first of the months of the year for you. Now, this is actually one of the classic verses in the history of Parshanut. That is, if Parshanut is the tradition of commentary on the Torah, and Rashi is the most famous of the commentators, then in a sense Parshanut begins with his opening line on the first verse of Genesis and in that first line he actually immediately references our first month verse here in Exodus. He says Amarei Yitzchak Rabbi Isaac said that the Torah should have started with Achorshazelachem this month will be for you for this is the first commandment that was given to Israel. So why does the Torah open with creation? In other words, it seems like Rashi is asking, why why are we wasting all this time with the book of Genesis or even the Exodus story? This is a book of law, isn't it? Let's just get on with it and start listing laws one by one. Well, thank goodness that is not what the Torah does or we wouldn't have all the rich stories in Genesis because in fact, the Torah is more than just a book of laws. But let's imagine for a moment that the Torah did start with this verse. Well, then we could turn Rashi's question back at him. What kind of beginning is this? Counting the months? Is that any way to start the Torah? Or, put differently, the question is, why is this the first commandment given to the nation of Israel? Couldn't God have chosen something a little more epic? The 10 commandments start with, I am the Lord your God. You shall have no other gods before me. Okay, now, now that's a beginning. But the giving of laws to the nation of Israel doesn't start with the Ten Commandments. It starts a little earlier here. And the very first law they received is about the calendar. And that just seems kind of random. Now, like we said, this verse is a pretty big deal and there's a world of commentary on it. But most of the commentary deals with the particulars of the commandment itself. The Ibn Ezra, for example, has a huge piece explaining exactly how the calendar works, including things like, the move to Babylonian month names. The Abarbanel, another great Spanish commentator does something similar. They're both very helpful with the how, but they seem less concerned with the why. But the commentator who I think speaks most powerfully and directly to the question of why start here is Ovaria Sforno, a 16th century Italian rabbi who had an incredible feel for nuance in the language of the Torah and a lovely lyrical way of writing himself. I remember I had a teacher who called Sephorno the first real renaissance thinker in Jewish tradition. A man who was not only one of the great Jewish scholars of his day, but also got a secular education, became a man who moved about prominently in Roman society. And you can sometimes see the impact of those worldly experiences come out in his commentary, where he often expresses real concern for universal human dignity. Anyway, in our verse, this month will be for you. The Seforno focuses on the for you piece. Why does it say the month will be for you the beginning of months? And he writes the following: This month will be for you the beginning of months. From here on out, the months will be yours, for you to do with them as you wish. In the days of slavery, your days were not your own. You had to work for others and do their will. That is why this will be the first of the months of the year for you, because in it, you began your liberated existence. <inaudible> so when you mark this month as the beginning of the year, says Forno, what you're really doing is marking the beginning of your existence as a free being. When you're a slave, in a sense, you don't exist in time because your time belongs to someone else. Time, for the children of Israel, really starts with the Exodus. Freedom to act can only be played out in the landscape of time. The reason this is the first commandment is that all the other commandments are predicated on their existence in time. God is not just commanding the Israelites to mark the calendar, but giving them the concept of time itself. Everything else will depend on that. What's remarkable about this understanding of our verse here in Exodus is that if we return to the notion that Rashi started us off with, that the Torah could have just started with, this month will be for you the beginning of months, it no longer seems like just a strange hyper legal approach to the Torah. Because if this is the beginning of Jewish time, then it actually parallels the actual beginning of the Torah, which is the beginning of time itself, in the beginning. Creation existence itself can only take place in time. And likewise, the creation of a people can only take place against the backdrop of their record of time. The calendar then represents our journey through time and records our attempt to create our own existence. That's why, perhaps, we make such a big deal about a new year, whether it's Jewish or January, Because every first month is a remembrance of a journey we started. And everything we've been able to do since then is a consequence of that beginning. And the return to that month marks an opportunity to begin again, to create ourselves once again in time. So I'm thinking about this new year's Torah here at the beginning of January, because we've just turned over a new calendar year. And I'm thinking about Nissan Linish's calendrical wisdom again right now, in part because Nissan died just after the new year on January 3rd, 2017, five years ago now. Nissan's reverence for the masterpiece that is the Jewish calendar has stuck with me and it's changed the way I thought about it. And so Nissan has forever affected my experience of my own journey through Jewish time. It's strange not to be sharing that journey with him anymore. But just one last incredible connection. Nico's Hebrew name, Nisan, is actually the name of the first month of the Jewish calendar. So this New Year's Torah is really for him and I wanna dedicate it to his memory. We miss you, Nisan. Best Book Ever was produced by Ben Cooley and edited by Vera Blossom, and our theme song is Pete by Hillel Tigay. You can listen to more of his beautiful music on iTunes and Spotify. And while you're there, why not subscribe to Best Book Ever if you haven't already? If you're interested in supporting this podcast and our work, you can visit us at ikar.org and donate or Venmo us at ecarla. That's I-K-A-R-L-A. Thanks a lot, and see you next week.